people, this is Gary Horn, and this is Pro Wrestling, and this is the Fast Count. You know how it is. It's just uh, you've got a busy week ahead of you, and you don't have time to watch everything at Raw. Well, Monday Night Raw is three hours, so I'm here to give you what happened in the quickest possible way so that you don't have to watch it if you don't want to. I'll tell you what's good and what's not. Typically on these, I'm going to try to let you know if there's something you really just need to go out of your way and watch. Anyway, let's not waste any more time. You know why you're here and why I'm here. Let's get this thing going. So, standard Raw opening this week, uh, where it's like they never had a match planned. Who knows what would have happened? I don't know. I guess they did have Sheamus and AJ planned, but for some reason they decided to open this thing up with an episode of The Dirt Sheet. Miz is reading a Christmas poem about AJ versus Drew, and it's alright. It's called, like, The Nightmare Before TLC. Basically, John Morrison's in there dressed like he's in the movie Highlander. Not the movie Highlander. That would be really cool. But, no, the uh, movie Braveheart. And he's doing, like, they'll never take our freedom. That whole thing. He's making fun of Drew McIntyre, basically. AJ's in there as, well... AJ and uh, it's about them fighting they like mock a fight basically as Miz reads a poem there's a little bit of confusion in there at one point because Miz ends the poem I think basically with him as the world champion which AJ takes offense to but you know ultimately Miz just says I just took some creative freedom but the point remains they're just talking about how bad AJ's gonna beat up Drew Sheamus comes down he starts arguing with AJ AJ ends up facing off with those like you could be part of the problem or part of the solution Sheamus says I'll be part of the problem then AJ kind of runs, but then he grabs a Christmas tree, throws it at Sheamus. Sheamus then, as AJ rolls out of the ring and he's like high-fiving Almas. Is that his name? Almas? I always get it messed up. Anyway, as he's high-fiving with Almas, Sheamus takes a Christmas present box and throws it at him and hits him and, you know, whatever. Anyway, back for break. This is a one-on-one match. AJ Styles versus Sheamus. It's a pretty solid match, honestly. There, there's great back and forth. You know, I think it felt like it went a little long it goes something like 16 minutes and you would think these two could handle that pretty well something about it just felt like it did drag somewhere in the middle but you know these are two good guys and Sheamus ends up hurting his leg somewhere early on AJ works on that a little bit then uh, ends up getting a roll-up I believe and gets the one two three he sneaks that win out uh, afterwards he's talking a lot of trash he's walking around the ring and everything Sheamus gets fed up he reaches out after AJ and when he reaches for him AJ standing a little too close to the ropes Sheamus grabs him but then almost gets involved and pulls Sheamus out of the ring as he's pulling him out of the ring Sheamus's hurt leg gets caught up in the ropes and he's upside down hanging outside of the ring basically and then AJ goes and grabs a steel chair and proceeds to beat the hell out of him. Uh, just starts like pounding away at Sheamus's body with the steel chair. And unfortunately for Sheamus, nobody ever comes to help. I don't know where his buddy Drew is. I don't know where anybody is. They just apparently people are just into this. They want to watch the torture porn of Sheamus getting battered by AJ Styles. He got nailed probably 10 times with that chair. It was wicked. Anyway, then they go to break. Coming back off the break, Jeff Hardy is teaming with the New Day, Kofi and Xavier, and Matt Riddle is outside of the ring in their corner. They're taking on the Hurt Business, Lashley, Shelton Benjamin, and Cedric Alexander with MVP uh, in their corner. Lashley starts off for Hurt Business, and honestly, they're doing a lot better with Bobby Lashley. I gotta say, he runs through Kofi and Xavier before Cedric ends up tagging himself in to give the faces a chance to get the upper hand for a little bit. I mean, they're definitely booking 
Lashley strong, finally. And that's pretty much the story of the match. It ends up going all over the place. At a certain point, Jeff Hardy just gets caught by Bobby Lashley in the Hurt Lock, and Jeff taps out for the win. There is something weird going on with how excited Cedric gets about the victory. He's like bouncing off the ropes and up on the turnbuckles, and everybody seems kind of weirded out by it. Anyway, that's what happened there. Lashley looks good. The match was fun. They do a recap of Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler from last week with the uh, We're Gonna Twist line around and her back's going to be on her front and her front's going to be on her back and nice says uh oh, her boobs are going to be on her back anyway i told you last week they loved that comment and here they are replaying it again so in the back oscar and lana are talking lana says she has to face nia Jax tonight and she's scared oscar says nia is scary but lana is the bravest person she knows for doing this and she's proud to be her partner this pumps up lana and she goes out to the ring. In the middle of the ring, you got Lana versus Nia Jax back from the break. It's a decent match. Obviously, like Nia's uh, pushing Lana around and bullying her, but ends up, Nia goes up on the top rope. Lana slips out of it and pulls Nia off and rolls her up for the one, two, three. Lana gets the win, and it's so impressive. Nia is shocked. She doesn't know what to do. Lana is celebrating. It's an amazing victory. Finally, Lana gets an actual win in a match that she did the pinfall for, so I was impressed. In the back, Shayna has jumped Asuka, who was celebrating the victory from Lana, and she ends up taking out Asuka, slamming her into the wall a few times. Back at the ring, Nia has jumped Lana and is beating down Lana pretty badly. Shayna comes down and ends up helping Nia, and they just double-team Lana and end up taking out her leg. There was like a big leg lock that Shayna puts on Lana, and then Nia keeps dropping a leg drop on top of it, and it looks pretty brutal. Asuka ends up making it down to the ring to fight off both ladies, but this leads to an injury from Lana that they later tell you she's not going to make it to the pay-per-view. That's honestly kind of a bummer. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with Lana. The second they finally give her her own victory, and then they just pull the rug out from underneath her. I have no idea what the plan is there, but I guess we'll see. Morrison and Miz are in the back talking about how Miz is mad that AJ says he'd be easier to beat. It was last week, basically, AJ Styles said, I'll help you cash in the money in the bank and win the match against Drew because once you're the champion, you'll be easier to beat the Drew. So Miz is telling Morrison how he's basically bummed out about that. Morrison's actually like, well, it kind of makes sense. And then Miz gets sort of offended. Then Morrison's like, well, yeah, but wouldn't you want AJ to beat Drew because AJ would be easier for you to beat? Kind of covers it up with that. Keith Lee comes out and he has the coin. He says, I'm not going to tell you where I got it. And I don't know what that means. But anyway, he, he takes the coin and he says, call it in the air. And I think they both, I swear to God, they both call heads. And it is heads. Miz and Morrison are super excited. Nobody knows why they're doing this. Then Keith Lee says, well, you won the coin toss, but that's all you'll win. Uh, that's it. And then the commentators come out and say, Keith Lee versus Miz and Morrison is next. Like it's a, just a done deal. Was that already happening before the coin toss or is, or is it because of the coin toss? I'm not sure. I'm really confused by this and they never explain it. There was never any mention that I saw about this match beforehand, but apparently uh, immediately when they saw Miz and Morrison called heads and they won the coin toss and now we're having a match. It was as weird as it sounds with me saying it right now. So anyway, they go to break, they come back, Lee's out, 
Then Miz and Morrison come out. You get their intro. It's funny. I never felt like I missed anything watching the Hulu version of Raw. And if, uh, if it's not clear, if you're just joining me for the first time, I'm giving you the recap of the Hulu version. I always feel like it tells you everything you need to know. And that's what I'm saying. It's funny. I never felt like I missed anything watching the Hulu version of Raw. And I really am starting to believe it's because at least an hour of this show is just commercials and entrances. Anyway, I have a lot of thoughts here. But due to the time and the name of the show. I'm going to keep this brief, but here's the thing. A. Why do Miz and Morrison get so many handicap matches? B. When they get them, why don't they have to at least tag in and out? They both just get to constantly double-team Keith Lee in this match. It's like they're both in at the same time. It's weird. It seems silly that somebody in the back at WWE is constantly approving this kind of stuff. And C. Doesn't the fact that they both keep doing it just make them both seem insanely weak? Am I honestly supposed to see Miz walking around with the Money in the Bank briefcase and ever take him seriously as a contender for the WWE Championship? At this point, I honestly just want the money of the bank to go away. It's worthless. That out of the way, though, the match here is pretty fun, especially the interactions between Morrison and Lee. I really do feel like they have pretty good chemistry, and it's kind of sad that John Morrison is relegated to a, some kind of side role to The Miz. The match finally ends because, as you'd imagine it should be, Miz and Morrison overwhelm Keith Lee and both lay on him at the same time to get the pinfall win. Now, Lee pops right up after, so you can see that he's not even hurt or anything. It was just they were too much weight piled on him at once, and it was just an unfair matchup. Nothing is accomplished, but go Miz and Morrison, I guess. They, they get the win. Next up, they advertise Bray Wyatt's field trip to the Thunderdome. When they come back from break, he's in the ring. The puppets are at ringside. Let me say that again. The puppets are at ringside, and nobody finds this odd. This is just standard fare in WWE now. There are puppets just hanging out, and they're clearly mic'd because they're coming through the speakers, so I guess they're mic'd up. I just need to see the backstage for this. Like, the part where Bray demands that a puppeteer is in his contract or whatever, like that, hey, come over here and stick your hand up these puppets' butts and just kneel down on the other side of the railing. Or is it that we're actually supposed to believe these are weird beings that exist that Bray magically makes appear? It's one or the other. It's got to be, right? Anyway, Bray apologizes for what he's done to Randy. He knows that he has things to fix about himself. And since he doesn't know what will be left of Randy after TLC, he wants to be cool with him now. So he brought along some jokes. And one of the jokes is like, how do you measure a viper? Edges, because they don't have feet. And then they laugh hysterically. There was another one, but honestly, it's not worth your time. They laugh hysterically at that. They're going crazy. Then all of a sudden, Randy's up on the big screen. He starts yelling out, Bray, Bray, look up here. Yada, yada, yada. He says, uh, I got an idea. Let's play a game tonight. Hide and seek. Bray accepts. Randy says, come find me. Then Bray starts saying, I'm going to find you. Let the games begin. So here we go. That's, uh, that's our through line for the rest of the show. Most of the stuff... The segments are coming back from break, and you see Bray walking around the back. At one point, he finds Matt Riddle. Matt says, I've seen the future. It's bronouns. And he has like a, you know, like a dry erase board where he's talking about bronouns. Uh, and he says, we should have a segment on the Firefly Funhouse to talk about bronouns and why it says that sounds cool, but he's very busy right now. And he walks away. Ramblin' Rabbit pops up from behind a crate and starts talking to Riddle. And Riddle says, whoa, you remind me of Baby Yoda. I'm going to call you Baby Broda. Good God. 
Next up in the ring, coming back from a break, is Dana Brooke versus Shayna Baszler. And surprisingly, this isn't one-sided. Dana shows some offense, but then Nia just interferes. So you get the DQ, Nia knocks Dana off the top turnbuckle. So you get a DQ, and then Nia and Shayna start beating the hell out of Dana. Mandy Rose comes out with a kendo stick for the save. Shayna and Nia start to bounce back a little bit, but Asuka also appears again and makes the second save. And in the middle of the ring, you've got Asuka. Mandy and Dana all celebrating. After the next break, R-Truth is in the back talking about getting a PlayStation 6 because the PS5 was sold out. Long story short, camera pans out. He's talking to Huskus, the puppet, of course. And Bray shows up. It says Huskus isn't supposed to be talking to strangers. And R-Truth says, you're right. You should listen to your dad. Then there's the weird looks and uh, R-Truth says, what a beautiful family. Bray comments that He's got to focus on hide and seek, so he just leaves. This part was funny enough. It was all right. So back again from a break. Bray's looking some more, and he finds a rocking chair in the back, in the dark, with a spotlight on it. Naturally, what would he do? He sits in it, of course. And then behind him, Orton appears out of the shadows and starts attacking him because Bray's dumb. And now listen to me. This is what happens. Randy Orton takes Bray Wyatt, and he throws him into a box. He then takes that box and he pours gas on it. And then he lights it on fire. Randy Orton murders Bray Wyatt, or at least attempts to. And naturally, while you're watching a murder take place, how do you expect Michael Cole to react? He literally, and I quote, as Randy Orton lights the box on fire, he says, uh oh, Bray Wyatt was in that. No shit, Cole. Anyway, doesn't matter because as the box is burning, the fiend emerges and gives Orton the mandible claw, which is a go-to for most people who were just set on fire. Luckily, fiend is fireproof and so is his latex mask. This leads to a commercial break because of course it does. When we come back from the break, it's Matt Riddle taking on MVP. <laughs> This makes no sense. Anyway, Matt Riddle's fighting MVP. It was disappointing because I got into this one in the three minutes that they were going at it, but it was quick. Uh, Riddle hits a senton off the top, and he wins, so all right. Lashley runs out as Riddle is celebrating, and Riddle escapes out of the ring, and MVP and Lashley are in the ring, and that's the end. I still think they're building to Lashley versus Riddle for the U.S. title. At least that would make the most sense. And finally, we come back from a break, and AJ's out for the world title ascension ceremony. No, I don't know what that is or what it means before this segment. I have no idea. I don't think they even explained it, but I get it now because it's ascension it's the world title so they're doing this thing where they're going to go ahead and hang the world title above the ring they're going to just raise it up there today uh what it is technically is that they've done so many freaking contract signings they were like we can't do another one i don't think so we'll just do the ascension ceremony and uh so they're they're doing this now and they as they, they say, you know, you, we'll raise the title up and then you guys could talk back and forth. And I sound cynical and I'm sorry. AJ and Drew do a good job here with their promos. It's actually a nice back and forth. AJ talking about all these like genetic gifts that Drew has, his height, his strength, all of that stuff. And for some reason, it's taken him so long to rise in the ranks in WWE when he was able to just walk in and do it. And 
Drew turns it around and is like, no, I've been through a lot, been through a lot of pressure, but it made me a diamond and here I am and it's blah, blah, blah. They go back and forth talking. It's good. Like I said, it's, it's good promo stuff, builds up the match. And then AJ finishes by saying, but what if you're not just taking on me at TLC? And at this point, Miz and Morrison run in and they jump Drew and start pounding on him. And there's a fight. Drew gets his upper hand for a little bit there too. It's just kind of back and forth, but ends up with Morrison and Miz and AJ kind of looking on top of things at the end of it. And then it's giving me that idea that Drew's not going in here facing somebody in a one-on-one TLC match. What's he going to do? There's two other guys. My prediction, Keith Lee, maybe. Maybe Sheamus comes out and helps Drew, even though Drew didn't help him with crap at the beginning of the show. I don't know. We'll see. TLC is this Sunday, December the 20th, and we'll be watching it. So I hope you tune in with us. We'll do a watch along and a recap show afterwards. But for now, that's everything you need to know about Monday Night Raw from December the 14th. I'm Gary Horn. This was Fast Count. Make sure to follow us at TIPW Show on all the social medias. You can subscribe to our YouTube. Everything's there in the bios. You can check it out. Hope you'll come back around and hit us for the next episode of the Fast Counter for some of our live shows. Till then, enjoy your gravy cake. 